0: and welcome back to the super combo podcast as usual i'm john host, chris of unix chris how you doing today
1: you know what i am woke um there was a there was a day this week where i was very 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 tired almost felt under the weather um i actually am attributing it to me selling most of my red pieces the gohan force thought i was trying to ditch it which i never would i never would um, it's actually as a it common misconception, huh? As
0: as it stands. <laughs> as it
1: stands. It, it's actually a common misconception. People think I'm a red player because I've just been cited with Gohan more than any other deck. I'm actually a Gohan player and whatever I feel like playing player. So I've been on U7 Gohan for a while. However, there's no shot that Set 17 doesn't release a Gohan centric deck seeing that his movie's coming out. And so I will just be playing whatever color Gohan is in there. And I, Bandai I could double down, but I just don't see Gohan being in red in set 17. I just don't. So I am putting my, my, I guess, eggs in one basket and I'm selling my red stuff to kickstart off some stuff for the channel and uh my endeavors and uh you know we're moving through but i think the cosmos the dragon ball super cosmos thought i was just ditching u seven gohan and um so they (laughs) made me sick they made me terribly sick so i have to apologize guys um i apologize for being under the weather and missing this podcast this week but this is why we're here that's why we're here i got on my hands and knees and uh daddy begged dad Daddy begged father in order to come out with a late, a late podcast, because I actually received a fair amount of messages. And I was like, wow, they really like this podcast. I, I, I can't let them down. So uh, here we are, man. Here we are.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks and that's just things like, hey life gets busy right people get wild and things get happen and like you uh, that day you ended up sleeping like what like 15 hours too this week so. <laughs> it was so
2: it was so bad
1: like i thought i was in another dimension dude i came home and i fell asleep at 5 30 woke up at 2 a.m went back to sleep and woke up at 9 a.m late for work i was so pissed
0: <laughs> yeah and so like life happens okay but there's a lot that has happened in between uh, our last episode, which I think was almost three weeks ago at this point. So um, we... The no, reveals... Those weren't
3: my fault. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 hey, hey, stuff happens. It's okay. It's okay. But, uh, you know, reveals, uh, we haven't touched base on Gamma 1, Gamma 2. They've finally been fully revealed as of the last time that we had spoken. Uh, we have seen the last Secret Rare officially now proper, so doesn't have to feel so bad about talking about it. Uh, let we, we had a ban list um you know I, I, I'm, I'm giving myself a pat on the back bro that ban list was out hour later my video was out i'm the quickest sniper in the west
1: <laughs> i was so freaking pissed because like y'all don't understand if i don't have a morning off like if i go to work my my office needs to be open the minute spoilers drop 9 a.m so like i'm sitting here and i just see like My notifications go off, like 15 group chats that I'm in have notifications that I've muted. I'm sorry, guys. I really just pop in there when I have time. And then I get a notification because I support the homies. I click the notification button, as should you guys. And it's like, a Spirit talking about the ban list. And I was like, damn. Now, granted, this is not even just the extent of the dam I hit. Like It was a Kendrick Lamar dam because I had just put up a lot on the auction house and that lot contained four anniversary foil vegeta super combos four dark broly uncontrolled berserkers four super Saiyan three gogeta thwarting the dark empires from the uh, (laughs) from the um uh the reprint set i had three or four fighting against fates in there too i had i had a whole bunch of black stuff i had three demogras from the draft box and then, like, I just saw that ban list, and I just, like, cried a single tear. Like, Damn. that whole thing was probably, like, 140, and I literally put out for a buyout of, like, 85, and it just stopped going up at 40, which is wild, <sighs> because, like, if you take the Gogeta Thwarting the Dark Empires out, which are only five apiece, and then you take out Bardock, who is only three apiece, mother most of that pot on that, the table bro that proceed
0: like, value dog
1: oh my Man, gosh
0: guess guess you should have gotten your insider information a week earlier huh
1: i was i was pissed <laughs> i was pissed you know sometimes you gotta die with the ship sometimes sometimes you just can't sit here and just try to feed off of the uh the connects <laughs> but
0: Yeah, so we'll definitely go ahead and, uh, of course, be touching on the ban list. So I made a video about it. Uh, Chris made a uh, response video to my reaction video. We just had different Bro, I saw the ban list live. You got two days to write in your goddamn notebook talking about all the smart things that obviously make sense in context.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I saw saw the ban list. Nah, like (laughs) that.
4: It is what it is.
1: I, 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 none of what was on here was necessarily a surprise because we've had plenty of talks about the ban list or about cards that need to go. And, um, I mean, I straight up, I, I've in the past, I've said that Soul Striker needs to go, but not now. So I was already waiting for them to touch Soul Striker to make blue decks better. I was already waiting for them to touch Thwarting, but I was like trying to hope that thwarting was p- changed in a way I was hoping thwarting would get an errata that would make it just very hard to play more than once per turn or on turn one. I did not expect for them to limit it. And I also vouched for a limit to martial melee, like an errata that either limited, gave it limit one to one of its effects. Yeah. I did not expect them to ban it. So like, to be fair, when I put up my list predictions, I was spot freaking on on what cards would be touched for almost all of them. I just did not expect them to be as heavy-handed to martial melee. And um, frankly, I did not expect the secret identity in Finding Against Fate. I just thought that by now they just already become one with peace on these generic <laughs> overwhelms just coming in and doing whatever they needed to do. I did not think they were just going to take a step back. from That was the part that shocked me.
0: Yeah, so we'll go ahead and get into it once we're done with the smaller portions, which is the reveals, and then we can deep dive into uh, a full-on discussion in regards to the uh, Ben and Erotolists. So, Gamma 1 and Gamma 2 was the last unrevealed archetype. We knew that they were coming, but we didn't know what they did um, before our last podcast. So now we have the entire set revealed, and we understand what they do. On the front side, Gamma 1 and Gamma 2 has a permanent that you can't use non red ribbon army card skills. To place cards in your energy because the entire thing uh, relates to energy manipulation when this card attacks you get to draw a card and then awaken where life is at four less or you have a blue unison card with switch card cost of two in play you may draw a card one your energy active take life until you got six flip it over and then on the awaken side you got the same permanent it's a 15k when a blue card is played from your energy place the top card of to your deck in your energy and rest one and that's not once per turn which is kind of relevant um, it means that you can utilize this like you know we've had cards like android 16 which can utilize their energy but the replacement effect is only once per turn that is not the case here um and then finally has an auto where you get to add three blue android cards from your energy to your hand at the end of your turn draw one card add up to three blue android cards in your hand to your energy and until the end of your opponent's next turn you can't activate the skills of non-Android Battle Cards when you cost a 7 or less in all areas. So very much a Android restricted archetype. But I mean, I'm not going to lie, I could not I didn't really care for all that many archetypes going into this. I do think that some of the Unison Swap stuff was cool and unique and maybe I fiddle with that. But Gamma 1 Gamma 2 reads like an archetype that like I'm all about.
1: Ah, yes. Let's get up in that lab then, my guy. I got I got things to <laughs> show you. See, I do agree that, uh, I guess for me, I feel like thematically, this set is one of the coldest sets that they've released in quite some time. And it's, it's like juxtaposed because you can't come after, you can't follow up Realm of the Gods with a set that's as thematically weak.
0: (laughs) It's all over the map. Like, I just don't, I just don't get what this set's supposed to be about outside of being the, sunset set for unison warrior like that that's 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 basically my understanding of it
1: i literally do feel like the way this set is it's the cooldown set like next set we're getting like a whole new block we're getting a whole new mechanic we are going into movie territory i really do think that this this set was just like let's get these guys out of the way let's get these cars that we print out of the way because like it's kind of weird. I think next set is going to be rigid. Like, you already saw how, um, and what I mean by rigid is you guys should have already seen the little, um, what's the word for it? The guys that are just like, uh, the teaser for Zenkai Boost, where it clearly showed a Goku, a Vegeta, a Piccolo, and a Gohan. And then they, like, morphed, and we saw that Goku turned a UI. Uh, I did a thing on my video where I overlaid them. Vegeta got bulkier. I'm pretty sure it's SSBE. But Gohan and Piccolo don't change shapes for their most powerful forms. Like Piccolo has his new form and he's the same shape. And Gohan, if he keeps Ultimate or gets a new form that looks akin to it. He's going to stay that same shape. So when it comes to that, I'm kind of sitting here like, if, they, if this was their plan all along to have set 17 be a movie set, that already limits the archetypes that can go in that set. Like you, you can't just throw Turles in that set. You already know for a fact that we're getting a Gohan, we're getting a Piccolo. Um, from those leaders in general, I do believe that means we're getting a Vegeta and a Goku too. Uh, we'll probably get the main villain, Kof Kof, probably sell from this new movie. We might get more Gamma support because this set really didn't have Gamma support. It just had a Gamma leader. So I really do think that set 17 being as thematically rigid as it probably is, this set they just had to put stuff in
0: it like just just stuff yeah i mean that's what it feels like which is like fine like it's it's the stuff set (laughs) like there's there's like there's some light like thematics in regards to a lot of the set is android themed android saga cell saga themed so you have um actual red ribbon stuff which leads into Gamma 1 and Gamma 2 being like proper androids. And then, of course, you've got uh, the Z fighters during the cell arc. So there's a lot of components of the set that are very cell thematic and does feel like in the thematics point, it's a lead up to the next set if it ties into the movie even, which I think we're all expecting there to be big movie ties. I mean... With the release of the Dragon Ball Broly movie, uh, what there was like the two subsequent sets and then the, la- the, the next three expansion sets and promos were all based off the movie, which is like smart, right? Like, get, get, get the hype when you can. So th- yes. there uh, is those light thematics that are probably tie ins to what we're probably going to expect to see going into set 1819. So th- there's at least that that like kind of washes over the entire thing. Correct. So in terms of, I think the coolest card for me, and that's mostly because it's a card I can use in other decks, <laughs> is definitely the um, the 9-drop Cell that they released for the Gamma 1, Gamma 2 archetype. So uh, I'm a little bit sad that the Activate Main requires a green, because otherwise that was like an insta-slot for me in SS4 Vegeta. <laughs> but um, Cell, the Ultimate Bio Android, is a 9-cost battle card with 3 specified blue 5k combo, 30k power, Deflect dual attack auto. When this card's played from your energy, choose all your opponent's battle cards and place them at the bottom of their owner's deck. Auto once per turn. If this card is in battle, when your opponent activates a counter skill, they place one card from their hand to the bottom of their deck. So that's where you kind of gain that green splash and a little bit of hand destruction. And then activate main limit one for a blue, a green, and two. Play this card from your hand or energy and it gains double strike for the turn. So the turn that it comes down it is a 30k dual attacking double striker that will cost a card out of your opponent's hand and board wipe your opponent. Yes, sir. Bro, this card's ridiculous. <laughs> it is uh, It <laughs> is super ridiculous. And it's actually, the
1: way it's written is actually my favorite type of kind of quote-unquote moderation. Um, because the, the card is great, but the card is best in its archetype. And I do love when cards are designed that way because it makes it harder to cherry pick. You can splash this in a whole bunch of blue decks. Blue-green decks, I guess. but. It's only going to get its maximum value when you play it in Gamma so far. And so I like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I I think that's what these kinds of cards should look like, right? Um, Generic card, like if we're going to create generic, like this card is great in anything that can run it. But I, I think like a design space that like we're seeing this kind of thing and it should really be explored more in terms of like what entices people to try different archetypes is that you get the most bang for your buck out of Playing this in this archetype. Um, I, I, th- I think places where we might have missed on that was, like let's say, Bojack. You know, Bojack is an archetype that, like, yeah. like <laughs>
1: cannibalized.
0: <laughs> but, but it's like, yeah, like, the card was just good in everything. And you didn't get all that much of a bonus for playing it in a Bojack specific deck. If the cards themselves lean themselves to, like, yeah, you get the good value of being any blue leader and being able to use this package. But utilizing it in Bojack gives you this extra plus aspect to it. Then it really lends itself to people diversifying and trying out different archetypes, different things
2: yeah
1: 100 percent it's uh I, I think it's just a good space to be in for that but ah, when it does come to uh, when it does come to uh, this sort of deck, I am what's the word is the word flabbergasted it might be flabbergasted. I am in love with uh, with this deck like mm. that's just as as like the cool things about it for me, one, uh, it is incredibly toolboxy. So you have got your normal one drop, and the one drop will search top five. Uh, you'll be able to go kind of in to you know your your small plays. It searches top five for a red ribbon, blue red ribbon army that's three or less. But it can also search any two cost or, le- or two cost uh, specified blue unison. But then you also have an oceanus Light card. You just discard it. It's the 15 and a 14. You discard it from your hand, check top five for a five or less Red Ribbon Army. And between those two cards, you really are able to filter your deck a lot. And um, I also kind of like it when devs make cards that plus you, expand your hand, but they don't just put cards into your hand. Because I'm not going to front Drawing a bunch of cards feels good, but it's kind of bunny. It's kind of old decks can do it but you have gt who has a second hand under a you know unison that can only really be harmed and diddled by the likes of foo but as i said in my other video as long as you're playing not gt and tier two or better foo's gonna get folded like a cheap lawn chair so um not full uh foo Fu, finn there we go finn that's the card but gt has a second hand underneath his unison um you have this deck gamma one and gamma two that essentially turn your energy into another hand. Mm-hmm. You're flipping cards from your deck to your energy. You're putting up three at a time into your hand. And when I tell you the deck is sick, the deck is just sick. First off, you have a topo. And I know topos don't seem like great because they kind of fell out of favor because of um because of the other dude, uh, Crown of Retribution. But at the same time, we're at a space where you kind of have to figure out how these things are going to play out. Like, your opponent, let's say your opponent's playing U7 Goku, most powerful, popular red deck at the moment. If they try to crown you, and you have three energy open, you can just as easily use Android 18, let the battle begin, to tap one of your three energy, and then put down dude to the bottom of the deck. At this point, you know, they probably only have three energy, four energy, they can only make so many plays you start opening up windows where you can topo them without fear of their resolve renewed because you've already stopped their one energy auxiliary play. And now they need to use that other three, that other four, to actually put pressure or board presence on the board. So there's a lot of things that you can end up doing that really work with that topo in this deck. Um, Also, untapping three is never not going to be good. But um, the deck just has so many lines of play. So many people think that just using blue androids is restrictive. But because of its ability to, you know, just say that they have to be seven or um, seven or lower effects that aren't androids can't be activated. Okay, that still leaves Baby Hatch. True. Enough said. You still use Baby (laughs) Hatch. And you flip over cards and the deck is worded in such a nice way where it's like, okay, you flip over a card you didn't want to flip over. There are two androids that literally can be played from your energy. Then your leader of skill on the awakened side will flip the top card, hopefully netting you an android. But then you're able to search top five from the Summon Androids effect. Pick a blue Android, put it into your energy. Put one card from your energy to the bottom of your deck, and then shuffle. And this is my favorite text in the entire deck because it's just worded so beautifully. Like, oh, I flip my D Magic or my Sensu Bean or my Hatch into my uh, life or my energy, and I can't pick it up. I'll just tap one, play this Android. Put this card to the bottom of my deck, replace it with an Android, and then shuffle. So I don't even have to shuffle my deck. I don't even have to find an effect like that. Um, cell is a monster. You just charge it, and your opponent is between you having a topo, and um, between you having a topo on deck, and you having a cell in energy. Your opponent is afraid to commit to the board because the chances of them getting floodgated and board white next turn are just so freaking high. <laughs> so you put your opponent in a very weird position. Um, you're able to put on a lot of pressure with the deck because the Android Unison is nuts. Like that card is so hard to kill. It it combos for free once per turn, either player's turn, by the way. And That's a mandatory trigger, so you don't even have to worry about using your brainstem and missing counters or not using your brainstem. Hmm. Every t- once per turn, when an opponent attacks, you combo with a mono blue card in grave. You uh, with 5k combo power and you're basically just going to go up one counter so he's able to go up one counter per person's turn it's just a really old day i guess it's really stupid you have so many things you can do if you guys don't know about gamma one and gamma two i suggest you just watch me next time i go to a tournament which i believe is going to be, <laughs> be
0: so yeah yeah that's your take <laughs> yep that's my take uh the the art type looks really interesting and like like, yes, I lean on a lot of blue archetypes in terms of how I play, but it's not necessarily like I'm a blue player. It just so happens that things like energy, like resource manipulation and all that, or strategies like ramp and all that are just strategies I lean towards. So the color lends itself a lot to strategies that I play. So if I had to pick a deck that I would pick up coming from this next set, it would definitely be probably gamma one, gamma two, just because um, the lines look really clean. The deck looks like solid enough to be able to compete um, and it. I mean it just had like lends you the ability to play some really powerful cards, which I'm all about. Yeah, dude. Um, and yeah, that, that pretty much wraps up the entirety of um the set in regards to archetypes. They did also reveal finally the final secret rare and um allows us to finally be able to talk about. It. So while I bring it up here, um I don't know. Um Okay, I'll read it, and then <laughs> say how I feel about it. So, it's Piccolo and Son Gohan Newfound Might. It is the Piccolo and Gohan from the movies. So, they are Gohan and Piccolo uh, SH, I think, is the tag. Uh, it yes, sir. Is, it is an 8 cost with one specified yellow. It's a 40k battle card. Ultimate. Super combo. Permanent. For each card your opponent has in rest mode, reduce the combo cost in your hand by 1. It has a combo cost of 5 for plus 30k combo. Permanent. When this card is removed from your battle area, remove it from the game instead. Auto. If your leader card is yellow, a Sun Gohan Adolescence, or a Piccolo card. At the end of battle in which this card was using a combo from your hand, play it from your drop. And then, when this card is played or attacks, draw one card. Then choose up to one of your opponents' use in cards or battle cards and switch it to rest mode.
3: Value. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: here's the, um, thing. The,
0: the one, The one thing I'll give it is congratulations, Chris. You finally got your Gohan secret rare.
1: <laughs> I mean, heavy facts, but at what cost? Um, no, it's actually fine because there's no way I don't get like an SPR, maybe two SPRs, a secret rare next set. Like, look, we living out here okay we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be fine and um we will be fine so i'm not i'm actually not tripping i'm not bugging at all like gohan fans are finna eat just just stay strong we've got this but um with that being said it's it's just kind of a weird space i think this
0: card's I really us. do you
1: think it's the weird space this card's um <laughs> no, nah, this card's not booty. No, nah, this card's actually pretty bad. But um <laughs> the whole point is the art is absolute flago. Um, you can't ignore that. It's got the gold. And uh, yeah. yeah. And uh the thing uh, the thing about this card is like because I've actually been asked a lot. People come to me, you know, resident best U7 Gohan player on the planet. Mm. And um they uh don't don't do that. Don't do that. You know it's true. Stop. That. <laughs> and um the Thing is, look, I, like, I haven't seen anybody else with a regional win. All right, get out, get out of here. Y'all, y'all got it? Show me it, show me it. Get put on deck. I'll face you in the mirror and untap too. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> anywho, so going past that point, that valid, true, infallible point. Um, a lot of people have been asking me, oh, well, this is this is the secret rare for, for U7 Gohan. And my my answer is hell no. Like, when I build a deck. I think redundancy can be a strategy because people are just like, oh, it combos and it draws. And guess what Gohan does? He combos and he draws. And I'm just like, all right, let me, let me just stop you right there. Redundancy is only good when, in my opinion, when that redundancy pushes a deck into ignorant levels of whatever it's doing. You know what I mean? Like you can have hand control, but too little hand control and you're just like flicking your opponent's hand size and it's barely dwindling. But when you stack like hand control and hand control and hand control and hand control and your opponent's sitting there with cell surge levels of hand, you know, just like zero, that's redundancy to a point of ignorance. This super combo being a one-of and not recyclable does not do enough to push what Gohan can already do into ignorant levels of territory. So, no, I would never use it as a secret rare in U7 Gohan. It's still Vegeta because... On the other end of that spectrum, when I'm not trying to double down on a deck's function, I'm trying to make it well-rounded and cover the holes that it currently has open. Uh, and for a red deck, being able to blow a unison off the field and burn, that's a reach and that's interaction that red is notoriously bad at doing. Like, what what is red like? I mean, green has some effects that take off markers. Um, blue kind of just don't really care about your unison, really. Black will gun that dude down faster than red, but what does red do? Red just looks at it and kind of cries, man. Like we swing mm. at it.
0: Yeah. Like like I feel like red design space needs to be like negging multiple times. To like kind of do kind of to kind of do similar with what the other colors are doing.
1: I can feel that. It's just like, yeah, but that's that's what we're working with. Mm. So when it comes to that, I I cannot see. You have to really put yourself in a like strong, strong position to argue why a non-vegeta ser would be good in red because Vegeta covers bases that red has a very hard time touching. And so yeah, nah, u seven Goku is not dropping Vegeta to play this Goku and or Gohan and Piccolo. And if you do, kudos to you for trying to make it work. But you're not playing the better ser. You're trying to prove a point. That's just it.
0: Yeah, and it, it's like. Usually, like every keyword on a ultimate on a secret rare is like, "Oh, yeah, let's go, dude, every keyword on this secret rare hurts <laughs> because like not your only- opponent.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> like dude, not only is it taking the secret rare slot, which like yeah, it's a given it's a secret rare has ultimate why is it taking your super combo
1: that is kind of funny it's a it, it's a premium like it. It actually is just hogging bandwidth. <laughs> it's, it's just like, uh.
0: like yo, you know that thing where like every deck starts with four of and a one of, one secret rare, four, one super. Uh, I feel like I deserve two of those titles. So you know what, your deck, you get one secret rare, three super combos. Like, ah, uh, and I'm not here to harp on it too much. Like, I think this set in general, all the secret rares are more collectors items. Like, if you're like very fond of z fighters if you're very fond of like frieza or if you're super hype about the next movie then like that's probably it for you but like from a playability standpoint i think across the board i think this is a dud in regards to you know playability wise for the secret rares
1: for the secret rares yes i will say though um and i will i will die on this hill just doing my rounds and by the way i'm gonna pat myself on the back i know i do that enough with the u7 gohan player stuff that's not like a pat on the back That's more of like a acknowledgement of the real a reality of the situation however when it comes to this set this is the first time i from start to finish done full coverage like gotten every single thing done like every archetype done the breakdowns the spoilers and i will say after spending a little bit of time with all these decks I think this is one of the most
3: sought out just or thought out. Uh, this is
1: one of the most thought out sets I have seen from this game's history. Like we normally have a bunch of cards that just kind of fall flat and just are dead on arrival. And we do have a real We do have, you know, uh, drip coup, but like, like it, other than that, like GT. Solid AF, dude. Like, oh yeah, we have Commander Red. But GT, solid AF. Toa. Toa has plays. Toa can snowball completely out of control. And this is even before Secret Identity was banned. Because you just get to a point in the game where you're spitting out four tokens off of you discarding a card from your leader and plus one in your unison. Like, okay, mass sand can go in. How many times are you going to mass Sam me sequentially? How many times can I discard and plus one a card? Okay, all right, we're going on to the next subject. Like, uh, you have Gamma 1 and Gamma 2, strong. You have, um, you have uh, not Umeta Cooler, sorry. Yeah, but you have Normal Cooler. Normal Cooler (laughs) is really strong. (laughs) Like, the, the whole point is, I have not seen a set in quite some time with this many playable archetypes out of the box. Not to mention the fact that Piccolo is not flashy, He's. I would I would honestly say the biggest thing that holds Piccolo back is he's boring to play. However, most of the entire deck is searchable. And when you have searchable cards, or all the cards that float, plus yellow's cards that float, you're just going to be constantly going through your cards. And that's what Piccolo's good at doing. Piccolo's actually very good at having res- responses at all times, plus critical pressure. So boring, but grindy. Um... Even Dripku isn't exactly bad. He's just not as mechanically good as Cooler. And that's mm. an issue. So it's like, I really did feel like they sat down and they thought about this set and how to design these cards more than I think they have in the past, like, five. So I will give them that.
0: Oh, like, here's the thing. Like, yeah, the, the set itself, I wasn't talking about the set for sure. I think the set is fine. I think there's a lot of really playable archetypes. And I do think alongside the it will lend itself to a very unique... Um, meta at least for like one time because i think mm-hmm. the, i do think zenkai boost will have the same effect as unisons where they completely take over the game so that'll be something to reflect on whenever they come but um but i yeah, know the set is like really solid it plays incredibly well and i think there's a lot of depth in terms of people being able to explore the different things that the set itself will play the secret layers are kind of like resident sleeper but i mean in terms of things that will impact the game i do think that the set in its own right will definitely change the way that the uh, competitive scene is being played out at a minimum for sure. Heck yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, lately the page has been showcasing just the SPRs. I guess they got a little bit of a photo booth set that they've been showcasing for these cards. So nice little uh, close-up pictures of all that. We've, been, we've seen the TP cards. As far as the winner cards for uh, TPs, we ended up getting uh, Beerus uh, baby, Negative Energy Charge, and SS2 Kevla. So a big lean on old card support with this TP set. Um, baby is dope AF, near and dear to my heart, because, like, y'all know I play Yellow Baby. Uh, negative Energy Charge, oddly enough, is a, works with black smoke Dragon. So there's some, like, Secret Rare support there, too. Oh, yeah, by the way, both of these cards can play Secret Rares. So there's some cool stuff in the TPs, and seeing them lean on being able to do stuff to support uh, older archetypes as a means to get people to play, I think is cool. I can dig that. Uh, and then final updates. Uh, obviously, Ultimate Squad is, I think, pre releasing this week. So there's that. So, you know, right around the corner. So I hope you guys are ready to pick up that. Uh, the Ultimate deck came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's been doing really well. So that'll do a good job in terms of being another deck that kind of uh, uh, adds itself as a competitor in the meta. So, a lot of ways, a lot of grinding, a lot of things to be looking forward to. And during July and August, there will be these store championships in which. Uh, on the line is a winner-stamped version of Power Awakened SSG trunk which is very exciting. Very nice card. So, looking forward to seeing what people will be taking to those tournaments in the following month and a half. Now, on to the big meaty portion of this podcast. The ban list. Uh,
3: he said the thing. He
0: said the thing. <laughs> um. Pretty impactful ban list uh, all around. Very game changing. Um, some decisions I'm not too super happy about, but it's OK. Uh, I've chilled out from my reaction video. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go through portions because some of these are very like thematics in how they were dealt. So I think the first ones, I mean, uh, Chris already mentioned them. Uh, Gogeta uh, banning Marvelous Might and making Throwing Dark Empire a one of. Um, I would have been okay with the Radas to BH. Like, I, what do the, what do the, de- like, um, I was, uh, sitting around with, um, a couple of guys from my team, Devin and Isaiah, and they were just scrolling through black and it is insane how much of a crutch the Gogeta package has been to black decks for the past, like what, four or five sets. Like, yes, it is absolutely absurd. And they're like, bro, it is kind of hard to build a black deck. <laughs> and I'm like, shee. So it's, I, I do think toning in their playability would have lent itself better for the health of Black more so than just outright getting rid of them. But I could be wrong, right?
1: Definitely wrong. So anyway, no, I'm kidding. Um, that's not how it works. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're definitely right here. Um, it's just kind of like, I think it was very, very heavy handed. But at the same time, I think you kind of play like a weird game when you get into this space, if this makes sense. Like you're sitting here and you either can try to make small changes and then if they work, they work. But if they don't, you have people just complaining that the ban list did nothing. Or you just go, you know what, F it. You punch the problem directly in the dick and then just move on. And I think they chose the latter because sometimes like we've been getting a lot of like soft touch, hard touch bandless where they touch and Mecha Frieza. And then everybody's like, oh, the deck's dead. And then like people actually test and they're like, wait a second. I was smoking. And then Bandai has to come through and really just hose down the entire deck. And I think they just were kind of just trying to cut the middleman out of this one and just be like, yeah, you know what? Nah. You know, like, just just get out of I here mean, <laughs>
0: i'm i'm a big proponent of usually getting rid of the problem cards right like like here's the thing at the end of the day you know if we're just gonna go banning after banning after banning to bang things around a problem card just because like so many people have leaned on that big problem card as a crutch and you're trying to not upset the user base i do agree that probably for the long-term health of the game you do want to lean on hitting the actual problem target here um, but to me, it also seems kind of like a little bit of a miss on the foresight aspect, right? Like, the, the Mythic Booster had Thwarting as, like, the key mark, one of the key mark highlight cards of, like, why you should get the set. And it's it, it just seems a little bit short-sighted to me that between the release of the Mythic Booster and the design of the Mythic Booster, to not consider that that's probably a card that was going to get hit <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. So, um, so.
4: yes?
1: well. My my cool question is like I feel like I feel like this is almost like an accordion when it comes to how far we can look down this line, so to speak. Like if we're gonna touch upon how long this was going, Mythic Booster I believe, I believe, released in February. Correct?
0: Yeah, with like a delay. I think it was supposed to be December. Was it? Yeah. So released in uh,
1: February which means that at minimum we already like we've already kind of gone over and discussed at minimum they had all of this printed in June if it was supposed to come out in December but it came out in February this was all in print sometime June to
3: August which means it was in development
1: previously before that so I think at that case, we're looking closer to the better part of a year, like nine months, maybe even 10. Because I, I I generally have been able to triangulate that it, they have things ready about six months in advance, actual in print, six months in advance. We've seen this in um, how early they showed us the background art for like launch when they were testing the foiling for the collector's edition. Mm. We saw the launch art and I think one more art half a year before that collector's edition even got like actually fully spoiled. Um, And then also the one that caught me most off guard was thinking that the, um, was thinking that Dan showdown had a placeholder of the family Kamehameha because they put that box up dead ass half a year before we even knew the theme of the set. And then they randomly put ultra instinct, Literally, the art for energy explosion or whatever.
0: Bro, that shit was so like, that was such a side, like a side by Just, hey. And then it's like, that had nothing to do with the set whatsoever. And you're like, oh, sick. <laughs> yeah. And
1: it was just, it was so weird
0: because like we, we were sitting here going, okay, the, these are just placeholders.
1: And then five months later, we got the DBS Direct where they showed off the Go 10 and the, uh, the Gohan Unison. And you realize that they literally just actually spoiled an archetype. Half a year before they even said anything about the set, right? Which then had us all looking at that Ultra Instinct Goku in the box for Realm of the Gods. Like, hey, yo, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, what's coming out here? So, yeah, like it's kind of wild because if they take six months to print the cards, this was we're looking at summer when the set was out, and we're looking possibly spring, mm. maybe even earlier when they were planning. And I think at that point, we're looking at could they have known nine to ten months ahead of time that they were going to ban? Both these cards.
3: Yeah, I guess that's the fair. part feels
2: weird.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. But like, I don't even know the girl I'm dating is toxic. Tim yeah. damn. <laughs> I, <don't care. laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I say, I say back with the person.
0: <laughs> Continue. So, so, but that like, I guess the biggest thing is that like, okay, so like, you design the cards, and I'm not gonna, I'm like, I'm not trying to spend a bunch of time like to on the designers or anything like that. That's really not the intent. But just like trying to understand, right? Like outside of thwarting uh and like the Gogeta package, like you could maybe argue that Xenosyn might be able to do some. Um, but like none of the black archetypes have really stepped up to try and take it off the throne outside of this package, right? Like, we have even non-black decks playing this package just because of how good it is. Yeah. And I and, and on paper it just reads absolutely absurd, right? Like for one energy, you get to draw a card. Um, I mean, if you're in r type, you get to draw a card, you get to pop a card, you get to have double strike, um, and it sticks on board so and its pieces can come from warp so it's 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 interesting to see where the power level is at when they try to like it, i i won't even say it's necessarily a soul striker issue, but it's like we know that this game works on a power creep system. Uh, the expectation is that the cards that come afterwards are strong enough to be able to usurp uh, or uh, play around older stuff that comes in and it just felt like nothing really ever made its way to compete against what the Gojiro package had been able to do for like two years and a half
1: did you say say usurp
0: yeah because i say
1: it again for me dexter
0: <laughs> or sir <laughs>
1: <laughs> if anybody can photoshop a spirit whispering usurp to, to a girl's ear on the playground like that dexter episode <laughs> we are on point
0: yeah god, um, pro- god forbid <laughs> i've read a fucking book in my life
1: hey yo <laughs> hey dude look as an ex-english major i do just appreciate it when people be coming out with words that you don't actually hear mm. every day so
0: i was like <laughs> good word
1: usage my guy
0: this is good but um but yeah no so i'm not surprised if anything it's refreshing it's annoying and i get that a lot of people had a lot of stock in that deck and or that package and lots of decks um even from the Mimias decks as ss4 Bardock, right so like I understand but i do think that this is actually a net positive for the game and I, for, the, for the most part i do actually think this ban list overall is um but this change has like if we're talking about ramifications and changes to the meta this is definitely one of them
1: yeah it's um it's kind of weird and it's understandable and weird at the same time because bandai has in my opinion they have like check boxes for things they want to get rid of and to be completely real it's not things being broken because uh first because bandai has a track record of letting things kind of just hang for a little bit <laughs> for longer than i'd care to admit uh, apparently,
0: actually apparently not if you're called invoker i guess Shit. i mean that that we'll get to that when we get to that there's there's there's
1: strong and then there's uh <laughs> There's literally uninteractable. <laughs> so, like, those are on two different play abilities. <laughs> like, uh, very few things are swinging through Emperor's Death Beam, and uh, Emperor's Death Beam being set up for one energy is very powerful. So, we're going to completely get back to that a little later. Um, but it's just kind of like, I am all here for it. If you guys don't already know, I did a whole series on color identity, and I felt like Mass Sand, Secret Identity, or Secret Identity Mass Sand, and uh, SS Four Bardock Fighting Against Fate were two cards that allowed you to splash aggression and removal that should have only really been privy to two colors. Like uh, Fighting Against Fate was a very very black slash red aggro card, and Secret Identity Mass Sand was a very green slash black. Removal but
0: card. Isn't that like the whole point of black? Like here's the thing. Like their reason It that was they, the reasoning that they gave was that uh Overrealms. So like both both of these cards have been banned, by the way. Fighting Against Fate and Um Secret Idea have both been banned. Uh, because their reasoning being that they were too generic and overbearingly utilized across the format, which is like, but that's what a flex card like black was the flex color. Black was here's your utility color. Black is <laughs> The colorless, the artifacts, the, uh, you know, the anything that you want to say about splashability. So, like, now hold on, sir. So it's just it's just weird. Like, the whole notion is that people will always utilize the best one.
3: Now, now hear me out. Ready? Ready for it? Hear me out.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel like this was 100% the case. I am mean, gonna two mile horn again, they, they really did make black like Xenoverse. I remember doing that video forever ago. I was like, they're going to pop in your timeline. They're going to help you out. They're going to dip. That's exactly what overall is. They they remove stuff from your past, which is your grave. They come through. they, They affect the present. They dip out. This is just how they work. But the moment they started adding specified black costs and entire black archetypes that worked amongst themselves, I think that was the turning point to them wanting black to have its own identity and not just be a part of everyone else's
0: but that that's why i think but those like i i think that there's a huge distinction there like while yes they're both considered black i think black with specified cost black or cards that specify the necessity of specified black versus cards that don't are two different things like i don't like it's like like if we're talking magic like there's a difference between like artifacts that can be splashed into any deck like um we're on black and like the ones that like deal with graveyards and whatever and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Grave di- digger's cage, let's say versus like archetype decks uh, or artifact decks that like specifically work within the whole notion of like artifacts and are very archetypal in that sense. So to me over on black, like 85% of the time isn't really related to archetype specified black. I am. Oh, you guys are
1: in for a treat. We're going to talk about lots of stuff, including different card games you don't normally play. All right, all right, I'll play ball, I'll play ball. So hear me out. First off, I, I dig the analogy, but I'm also on the space of black or uh, artifacts being their own different card type. That's a huge point in this because like when it comes to these cards these uh these black or these black cards they were just another color they're not like a set type away and so artifacts can 100% be splashable simply because they're they're not even creatures they're not they're not enchantments they're their own type of cards and sometimes they add specified color to an artifact but not often usually they're artifact creatures at that point but with black i do think that the shift is needed in order to make them something in the future. Because you, you, like, you keep them splashable and you will have a, like, adding a specified Black cost to thwarting was not enough to keep thwarting out of decks that weren't Black. <laughs> so, like, just imagine, like, I feel like this is just, like, kind of the flavor of where they want to move Black in the future. They want Black to have a presence just like every other color, not to be absorbed. And you either Arada fighting against fate and uh mass sand to be black only or black leader only, which in all honesty, I think would actually not really be fair. But I think they're not even. Every, like,
0: yeah. Cause like that. They're not like black archetypal cards.
1: <laughs> nope. And they're so generic and everybody's so used to using them that I personally would get a little peeved if all of a sudden I was just told no other color could use fighting against fate except black. I'd be like, word like huh like <laughs> i'd be a little upset i <laughs> that would, that would just feel bad now granted at the same time i am kind of i say this and in the same breath i could be like you know what though because i'm the type of person that also feels like sensu Bean should only be played with blue leaders and champa should only be able to be used by red leaders i i am in a weird space where i'm like you know what i am okay with just sitting at the table and understanding that if I look at a red deck, that red deck could get a single swing through and shotgun me back by Champa. But I don't really necessarily want to see that play coming from any other color because I feel like it's it just shouldn't come from any other color. But that's my personal opinion. Mm. But um, and also decks of using Sensi B and I'm like, that's Blue's card. Just stop it. Like, just, just, just give it back. Just stop it. Put it down. But um. It's just one of those weird things where I think this is a move for the future, not for the now. But at the same time, Mass San, I do know that Toa was the most obvious reason for, oh, Mass San needing to go in their eyes. But to be honest, this is not the first time. Toa is nowhere near the first time. I think Toa is one of the more obvious
0: ones. Well, there's a but lot. Of Toa like, is not. Yeah, like there's a lot yeah. of battle card centric archetypes that Secret Id just hoses on
1: you would literally just like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And then the one time you're on untap or you're just testing online with your friend, your friend's like, oh yeah, I tech one secret identity. And you just absolutely get bent over. You're like, wow. Deck's unplayable because of a card that everybody can tech in inside more of it if they want to. Like, I, I can't. Mm. And that's that's rough. Like, you should never be in that position. So, I think that that is kind of a, a thing that could like, it's one of those things where you just have to kind of sit there and look at it and go, yeah, like, it's here and it's staple, but, like, the game isn't necessarily going to be worse off without it. And I think the, the thing for me as a person that does like deck building is that when generic cards like Fighting Against Fate and Secret Identity are no longer in the game, players actually have to step outside the box to figure out how they find the reach that fighting against fate just easily gave them without functioning brainstem usage. They have to find the removal within their colors to compensate for just being able to tech or side secret identity. And if you don't have that removal, or if you don't have that reach, and you don't feel comfortable not having said removal or reach, then you need to maybe think about playing a different deck, which is the whole point of a color-based card system. Different colors have different identities, different strengths, different weaknesses, and you need to play the color that you feel will give you the best chance to win, not your favorite color, but we're gonna tech some off color shit and some uh, some um some to compensate for the holes that the color was naturally built with because of reasons. That's how I feel about that one.
0: Right knows what i mean i guess some of the frustration just comes from the fact that like like it or not this game was built on a notion that there's this genericness about a lot of it i do think from a color aspect perspective the game would be better off if Champa was red only if bean was blue only because then it would actually give you a little bit more of a an opportunity cost to make the deck building choices that you make, um, which is like I do think something that's like lacking in this game, and it does seem like the more we stray into modern design space, the more and more the developers are leaning into that um, because it sh- like the colors should feel different, and then every you know uh, or the colors should feel different, and every color have an accessibility to things that manipulate energy or allow you to be able to get uh, free extension and stuff like that it is definitely something that takes away from the deck building or choice aspect of Putting together a deck.
1: Y'all, y'all dudes need to stop shoving sense you and everything. Y'all can't
0: <laughs> the shit's old, bro. Uh <laughs> yeah. hey man, I play him in blue decks. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> All right, fair, fine. <laughs> uh, and then the uh let's see, I think the last one to be banned is piano. Um, which arguably I don't even think was the thing that killed the KP deck. <laughs> but uh yeah, piano definitely making it harder uh for less uh Piccolo cards to be able to play. And um yeah, I, th- I think this was just like, hey, we don't want to see KP no more, so bye-bye.
3: Bro, with a change that we're
1: gonna talk about momentarily, they literally like like they shot, they're shooting KP players in the feet with a change we're going to talk about a little later. But then they just looked at them and looked at their piano kneecaps and they were like, but just in case, you're you're hardier than the average soul. And they shot him in both knees too. Like that is legitimately how this feels. Like one of these things definitely made it harder for them to stand up on their own two feet. But Bandai was just like, I like insurance. <laughs> and
0: they just suck. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't need to play around it. There's not much to say. With Piano Gone, like, it pretty much makes KP um, a dead horse, especially with this uh, now jumping into the limited aspect of the band list. Uh, Piccolo Jr. Unison. Uh, why is this at one?
3: Just
1: Just so to that- say? Like, just so that we have a secret weapon, red players have a secret weapon. <laughs> they got, they got one, they got one utilisation. You, you best protect this bitch. <laughs> uh,
0: like I, I honestly think Piccolo Junior would have served better with the auto limit. Like you just limit the auto to once, and like yes, obviously I, a lot, a lot of the work. I under like at least it, you can play around it is my biggest thing. You can force plays, whereas it like the way that Piccolo was currently structured. Cause it's not like a two cost unison that draws is the most busted thing in the world. Like we're starting to see that in almost every color at this point. Um And like most X didn't care about is rejuvenate. So the, the, the biggest aspect was definitely his auto and like, yeah, I understand usually the first usage of it was the most important, but at least by limiting it, you can bait it and then utilize. Cause like that Piccolo auto honestly allowed you to kill like 30 Ks because of like the way that red can line oh, up their shit. negs encounter. And it's just like, yeah. So it's just. I, it's. Just, I mean, I guess I, the only reason I'm even talking about that is because they limited it. Like, why just ban it? Like, what?
1: Right. Here, here's here's what I'm gonna say. One, I agree with that. I don't. I, I think it need to be at zero, or it need to be changed a different way. But two, when everybody says, uh, "Put his uh, auto to limit," I think what people need to mean is put his auto to limit, and then make it a mandatory effect, because. The way his ability is, it's optional. You can forget to blow up something and your opponent just goes, sweet, and keeps playing. So if they just made it a limit one, that would still make him busted because I would just wait. Like, I want to just use it on your, like, Yamcha, if I didn't care about your Yamcha, I'd wait till you use a counter blocker and then I'd be like...
0: Well, I mean, I do think having some counter plays is important, right? Like, I don't want to be able to force the ability to happen and you get absolutely zero value from it. Right. So I, 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 I don't have anything against you choosing to. It's just the fact that like against Piccolo, if I had three blocker negates in hand and they're all fucking useless, then like yeah, I'm tilted. But like if okay, the first that, that is fair. But but like if the first one goes, I'm like, okay, at least I played around it, now I can do something.
1: I just personally feel like there's a high probability that that one, that one activation per turn is
0: still enough to get it. It's probably honestly, yeah, it's probably all you needed. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> I, at that point, if, if they put it to one, I'd st- if they put it to limit on his auto, I'd still look at that card. Like he should be dead. Like that's how I feel about it. That's the only reason why I'm kind of like, Oh no, but that, that's, I am with you on that space. I'm like, why are you at one? <laughs> like, just uh, that's, that's just that's part.
0: like, don't get me wrong. Yes, Piccolo Jr. has been the de facto red unison outside of like Red U7 Strats that use three cost unisons for like literally since his release. So like I get it. But like I, I just don't I, but I don't get this. <laughs> like unless there's a prize card down the line that we don't know of, or because he was part of the fest packs and he doesn't people want want people to feel like they don't want people to feel bad about him being in the fest packs. I don't know. I, I just I'm just confusion. That's all.
1: <laughs> That's fair. I'm uh,
0: not going to blame you for any confusion. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he said he yeah. uh, All right. And then moving on to the errata's because we've already talked about the wording. Um, Goku, Soul Striker. He's awakened. Now Long no longer utilizes a unison. It is at four life. So the only difference between the reborn soul striker and the regular soul striker is that his front side draws and i guess technically his backside still untaps in unison but that's only relevant to like two unisons so um not surprised it had to happen eventually i mean the most dangerous thing about soul striker
1: was when it awakened at high life tolls and it just bullied you out of the rest of the yeah, game. Yeah.
0: Like now, like, um, so, like I don't even think soul striker is bad, mind you. Cause there are arguably still aggressive strategies I can utilize into good usage. But the, the way that I put it in my reaction video, and I think I still stand by that even after mulling it over, is that like, yeah, soul striker is like unbearable. If like you stumble, aren't able to get any aggression on, to, on turn two. And then like, he can just awaken at seven life. And then like, not even be punished by not being able to have the draws because you can just drive for free, then untap the two, and then, like, you're basically where you would have been anyways. So it's, um, I mean, it's been the de facto blue leader, right? Like, it's, we've been saying he's been hurting design space. I don't think anyone is actually shocked by the fact that he's been hit at this point, or should be anyways. Correct, correct. correct. Um,
1: I think, uh, I really do think that the way we're looking at these things, like... It's it's really weird. And I don't want to give away too much because this is literally my Dragon Ball Super video for Saturday. But um this was actually like a really tactical sidestep, in my opinion, by Bandai, because they did not kill the leader, and the leader is by far still very usable. However, they did make sure that um what they did do was they um uh, they made it so that you have to actively look at other blue leaders.: yeah, Like I look much at, harder.
0: I look at other blue leaders now, because like it's not an auto free of just, yeah, I just want a good blue leader that awakens early and I can coast. Like, are there some decks I'll still play Starwaler? Yeah. But now that he awakens at four, I have to look at specific cards to make best usage of him, which forces me down a lane, which means that other strategies have room to breathe in terms of being able to utilize other decks.
1: Yep. You are now sitting here wondering, you know what? Maybe this more aggressive blue leader is fine. Or maybe this leader that doesn't awaken early, but has a much stronger late game. It's fine. Like you're looking at Bojax, you're looking at Gammas, you, you're, you're looking at SS4 Vegeta when you shouldn't be looking at SS4 Vegeta. um, (laughs) You're still looking and take that for whatever you will. But um, yeah, (laughs) that's, uh, that's pretty much that. It's, There's a lot of stuff going on in blue right now, and it's all because Soul Striker was kicked down a couple pegs, and now the uh,
3: the color can breathe as a whole.
0: Agreed. Um, and like, we're we're starting to get to a point where like blue removal is at a place where it doesn't feel so bad that the generic options are being hurt. Um, yes, obviously Galactic Buster ended up hurting it, but like between. Uh, the Vegeta, that bottom deck's too. It's like a dual attacker between things like uh, Cell, though you do need to splash some green in there. But like, nevertheless, um, that th- Blue is getting into a place where it can start straying away from the generic crutches that it's had for, well, ever. <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, those thematics for Blue push through beyond into, um, into the Zenkai boost uh, block. Yes. All right. Finally, and uh, the thing that's been sent to me the most often, my reaction to the errata for Android 17 MVP. It used to cost a singular red to be able to give your leader invoker, and now it costs double red and blue. Let's go. I, I don't necessarily disagree with this, because... It is incredibly uninteractive to one either find a way to get rid of MVP from the drop. And then there's like what one or two cards that like are <laughs> one of which is the mirror that allows you <laughs> to actually <laughs> that allows you to actually deal with um your the leader having invoker. So like I get it. I'm frustrated. And like I'm not even the one like I'm mad. On a conceptual level and for other people, not even myself, because like I only bought one, the rest I got from regional. So like, I don't even care. Like, and I bought one for like 60, but like there are people who legitimately spent like a hundred dollars on a promo that they could have only legitimately used at a tournament at full power one time in that organized play two months. So it's and then to say that it is less interactive than they expected in their reasonings blows my mind because i don't know how anyone can read give the invoker leader invoker for one energy and not think it is absurd broken so like do i think at the end of the day is was the right decision yes i think i would have preferred it to cost one red one blue because then it at least changes the play patterns to when you were playing vegeta now while yes it's a less interactive version of Vegeta, it still lends itself to the same play pattern where on turn three, you're forced to either awaken or line up some untaps to be able to then do your stuff, which is a pain in the butt and has always been kind of like the crutch play of the deck. I don't know. It's, I just think it was incredibly short-sighted. I think anyone with two eyes was able to see that one energy would have been absolutely absurd. Um, And then to then, I don't know. I'm conflicted. Right, because it's a shitty feeling. It's a disrespect of people's money. Um, especially deciding to do it after anyone who cared about the deck managed to either buy their play sets or buy the deck outright. And I will say, I do actually think the deck is still good. Not as insane, obviously, as if it, like, Invoker cost one. I think the deck is actually still playable and can still do some things. I'm tilted, so, I'll, like, I'm keeping it in my boxes right now because, like, it's a, at this point, it's more of like a, I'm trying to prove, like prove a point. But, I don't know. I think the surrounding situation around it is what frustrates me the most about the timing, the short-sightedness. You wrap all that into like MVP being like probably one of the only real reasons to play in organized play this season at all. And now it's worthless. So like we got to wait till championship pack, the next championship pack to even get any value of participating in organized play unless you actually end up taking it down. So it's just like I think it's a, a, a packaging of all the surrounding situations that make this specific errata feel incredibly bad and frustrate me as a player. A lot, of those, frust- a lot of those frustrations just echoing how bad I feel for the player base. Because at the end of the day, I wasn't really playing Invoker that committed anyways. But th- I, th- I think that's where my biggest frustrations point come from.
1: I can, I can, I can, I can ball with that. I was much better than I thought I would get from a uh, invoker sim. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like,
3: it's it's just
2: <sighs>
1: all right. So from my end, there's actually a whole lot that I agree with on him. On um, on SB's point, like it's not, mm. it's not, huh? No, go ahead. <laughs> it's not, um, it's not as much as the actual hit. It's the way, it's it's all the framework around it. And I do agree, heavy, that um, it literally was the only reason you really played at this point. Like it, it just kind of was. Oh, there we go. There we go. Sorry. Uh, Dragon Ball Super Admin Group just approved my auction all of... <laughs>
3: eight, hey. eight, eight, whole, uh, eight whole hours. <laughs> eight whole... Oh, my God. I want to scream. Okay.
4: Woo!
1: Almost lost my cool there. Um. So, basically... Wow. uh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Forgot I put them up.
1: Um, I agree with the, the framework thing. It's it was the only card that you could see actually being used, and my issue actually stems on another point that's very much so wrapped up in this.
3: Their reasoning. Okay, their reasoning.
4: Very very good. However, however.
3: I always talk about Bandai needing testers.
1: Testers that actually play the game. They don't just make the game. They play the game. Because this was no secret. This card literally dropped. And most people with functioning brainstems were like,
0: you know. Bro, this not isn't a, good. There's not a <laughs> single... Dude, you just have to know about the game and see... Bro, Invoker for one? On the leader? Like what now, I, I, to be
3: fair
1: if you didn't know how to uh if you didn't know what invoker did you might just look at it and be like <laughs> is this card good but as he, if you played against invoker and you understood how trash it was to have no out to a barrier 19k then just think about what if you could not even play an out because it's attached <laughs> to a leader like, <laughs> like that is where it gets out of hand and the thing is like. What doesn't what doesn't make sense to me, right, is that uh, Bandai is, I'm not even going to say notorious, they are very, very keen on sidestepping certain effects, all right? Like, sometimes people are like, oh, why does this blue card cost six? Oh, how come all these colors got good four drops and this blue four drop is doo-doo? Well, you see, sir, the thing that tends to happen here is that Bandai understands that you tap four in red and it is kill or be killed. That's your turn, yeah. You tap four in blue and they swing on you next turn and a motherfucker is getting dimension magicked, potentially baby hatched. (laughs) Like blue has ways of tapping out, but not being tapped out. And because of this, they always have to be careful with the energy economy in blue because blue is, no pun intended, built different. It's part of their color identity to have energy manipulation. Because of this, why the fuck did any of their devs think it was a good idea to lower (laughs) the cost of invoker on a blue deck? Like, this deck will get invoker for one and you will never get through them again! <laughs> like they want like two energy? That's enough. Like like the D magic, fucking like, like like oh my god, Emperor's Death beat, like the Sleepy Boy, like it just it made no sense, bro. Like anybody could see that coming a mile away, and that's actually the funniest part about it. Um, Android seventeen becoming a three cost doesn't even kill the deck. The deck is still going to be able to be piloted to tops or wins by the Carracks, by the Sublets, hopefully by the Georges, when George gets out more, in tournaments, <laughs> you can still pilot Invoker to a win because at the end of the day, everything that used to be able to do with Vegeta, you can now do safer with Android 17. It's pretty busted. You, you just aren't doing it for one energy, which is broken. <laughs> like... Like, but that is, that is what I am upset about because it would not have taken any time whatsoever for a dedicated play test group to be like, hey, yo, look, this ain't it. <laughs> hey, y'all need to do something about this. Like, I don't know what you guys want to do. Like they maybe could have made it a two costs, but I, I'm still in the position of like, if you want to make Invoker better like I know this is going to sound annoying and lazy but literally reprint a vegeta like dead ass give the deck like give the deck a blue red gohan with barrier who comes out for 2 and literally just does what vegeta does invoker yeah. barrier pretty much but then but then keep android 17 at 3 allow them to hit a vulnerable or slightly less vulnerable battle card a turn earlier than vegeta came out because that's just the speed of the game right now. And then keep Android 17 at 3 energy. Invoker is a playable deck, and people can stop complaining. But y'all just, like, yes, it sucked. But I will, I will completely put it out there for you guys. I have three friends that have Apexes. And I'm not going to lie, my Clout Nojitsu is, is starting to grow. My uh, <laughs> Meng, Meng Gekyu Cloudigon is uh, it's, it's blossoming. If I wanted to play Invoker for a tournament, I could play Invoker for a tournament. However, you were not going to catch me at any point spending my hard-earned, very much so overworked for, money on a playset of A17s. It just was not happening. Like, I looked at that card, and I was like, yeah, I don't know about that one, Chief. And I just kept it moving. like. That that hit my spider senses. I think uh, George and I talked about it the first time I got spoiled. I was like, I don't think this card was printed as intended. And I guess it was, but it wasn't played as intended. So, like, I just looked at that. And I was like, did they mean to make it this broken? I don't know about this one, Johnson. I, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how this plans out. <laughs> I'm see how this one works. But um, this card was just on a different level. But it's just... It does kind of feel like a bait and switch. I can't tell people you should have seen this coming. So it's your fault because at the end of the day, you shouldn't ever be afraid to pick up a card because it's too broken. That should be, that I should be just the came out. Yeah. That should literally be the devs job to make sure that cards don't slip through the cracks like this to require an E-Ban. Every game has an E-Band every now and then, unless your name's Konami, in which case you let everybody buy the card and then you E-Band it after everybody's <laughs> been playing with it for a little bit and the box sales drop off. But Magic has had E-Bands, um, Force of Will has had E-Bands. Um, I'm sure if Pokemon had any sort of cards that required brainstem function and actually interacted with one another, they'd have E-Bands, but they don't, so we'll put that aside. Digimon, you'll get there one day. Um, but, like, Yeah. Every game has E-bands, but E-bands should be very much so unintended. Like, you should never see a card and squint at it and be like, this boy isn't long for this world. Like, E-bands should be like our um, Guardian and uh, Sahili.
0: in then, Magic. Even then, I had a whole format where I got to play with that deck. So. Saheeli? Yeah, it got me that, it got Yeah, no, nah, dude. It got me into a PTQ. <laughs>
1: that actually is no, that that deck that deck was so trash because when that deck came out, side tangent guys, for anybody that likes Magic, this will be a little treat. I had not played competitively since not
3: return to Ravnica. What was the set after Return to Ravnica?
0: Was it Innistrad?
1: There we go. Um, I had not played I feel like those are right next to each other. I'm just not sure which.
0: Order. All right, that's oh, yeah, I, I don't know what's the order. I just know what I think Innistrad was like before or after Cause, Ravnica. All
1: right, because I think uh, Innistrad had a oh yeah, because Innistrad had the angels and stuff. I think Return to Ravnica might have been after because I remember playing for Return to Ravnica and Gate Crash and um, the other thing, but I only remember playing at the tail end. I think of the uh, Innistrad block, but um, oh my gosh, I played Jund. And I played into Return of Kick because, oh yeah, because Sphinx's Rev was just freaking snap and Detention Sphere and all this junk. But the point is, I had not played since that block. And my friend hits me up randomly. Four months later, and he goes, hey, bro, do you have this time off? And I said, I have two of those three weekends off. He goes, you want to ride with the boys and go to a couple like case tournaments, you know, just, just. Going into the cleanup house, I'm like, bro, I am so out of practice. He said, Can I call? And he explained Fellow
3: Guardian
0: Sahili to me. Turn four infinite, baby.
3: And I said,
1: Huh. I went to four tournaments and topped three of them. I was so <laughs> rusty. That, that deck was trash. I was so <laughs> upset. only been there's only been one other game that allowed for such ignorance. And that was Yu-Gi-Oh! for Full Power Pepe. I had my friend who just was like, Ayo, hey, dude, you trying to see what's up? And I'm
3: like, what you
1: mean? And uh, yeah, you know what happened? I played Full Power Pepe, and after playtesting for two nights straight, I was like, I feel like this is pretty good enough. And no, nah, it... Yeah, look, the point is... That deck is trash. I don't know where I was going with that That, de- that deck. Was, that deck was cancer to the game. But,
0: we're, talk- we're talking about Ebans.
1: Yeah, look, uh, Bands should be an exception to the rule. And this card came out, and I feel like no single person did not look at it and go, this shouldn't have been printed. Now, Invoker players were happy, as many Whoa. players are when their oh. favorite decks get
0: I'll take it. I'll take it. I would have never guessed they would have done it. But yeah, fuck, you want to give it to me, I'll take it. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, the E-Band,
1: it definitely hurt. And it's it's one of those bittersweet moments for me. It's like hide the pain, Harold. I've got tears in my eyes because it was a really, really ugly move. But I'm smiling because it showed me that Bandai has the backbone to look at their meta and be like, is this going to actually hurt the integrity of our organized play? Yeah. All right. Pull the plug.
0: And yeah, that's like, it. It hurts. But that's that's where like I'm conflicted, right? Like I I do legitimately like the fact that they chose the health of the overall current to future format. I honestly do appreciate that because I think in the long term it benefits more players than it hurt. Um, but we should like it's. Like, we should have just never gotten there in the first place, right? And it's like, and I understand, and then there's the community and people are like, oh, blue, he's playing against Invoker, blah. And like, you hear Joey all the time saying it's his, like, least favorite deck in the world, and he's he playing against it, blah, blah. It's like, you know what, though? Like, to be fair, I can't exactly say that as a control-oriented, combo-oriented player, I really like playing against a thwarting deck every other fucking round. Or playing against a Reggie 7 deck every other round, right? Like... Like, let's not act like the other side of the coin isn't also very, very clearly lined up. What now, obviously, now with the thwarting package gone and blah blah blah, the meta is going to look different and all that kind of crap. But, like, a lot of decks live a very long top uh time at the top of the pedestal. How good, how long was like Vegex good for, Dark Broly good for? So, like, all right, wait, time out, time out, time time out. But, like, my entire point is just that, like. Don't get me wrong. Yes, it's toxic, uninteractable, good. I'm glad someone was done about it. But, like, I do think there's a little bit of hypocrisy out there where people acting like like we don't play in broken fucking formats every other format.
3: While I will uh, what
1: the, I do have to kind of whistleblow on the Vegex Debro comic cause Debro was weird because debro Debro was always on the outskirts. Debro was that anime villain that you knew was shifty in season one. But he did not become a primary villain until season four. Like he was lurking, and then one day he was like, I've been growing in power and yeah. now no one can fuck with me. And yeah. you're like, hey, yo, like and but then the- Vegex was a cockroach. Vegex got shot <laughs> nothing times. Vegex Vegex ended season one as a champion. Season two, Vegex got shot out of a fucking plane and was left on a cliffhanger ending. Season three, Vegex came back with a cloak and a mask, and nobody knew it was Vegex, but we kind of felt it was Vegex. And then season like five, Vegex got shot again and had like one last hurrah. And now Vegex like low-key just wanders the like barren wastelands of the underbelly of whatever meadow we're looking at, going, at any point, I could probably come up and shoot somebody in the face. But today's not the day. Like Vegex persisted and it was of no it was a no oversight by Bandai. They they hit that thing <laughs> there, like,
3: five lists straight. That man refused to die.
0: Uh, so it. I don't know. I just always find it funny when it's like, yeah, I get it. People hate playing against control decks, but it's like, yeah, but like I've been playing against the same variation of the same goddamn aggro decks for like two years and a half now. So like, let's let's be honest with each other here. Is all it's all I'm really so like I'm conflicted. I feel realistically this should have never happened and i would have been fine it happened e-bands are a failure on a design aspect and it happens and like hey we're all human it is what it is i think bandai should tighten up its testing to see that cards like these are obviously absurd but like i said at the end of the day it's the infrastructure and everything around the band list that or uh, this aspect of the band list that frustrates me the most especially since like And I wasn't sure if I want to make this its own episode next time or we can talk about it now. But like it just like now more than ever, especially with this e man list. I don't really see a reason to play right now. And like I've talked to a lot of people, content creators, players, and like. It honestly, I have very little. Interest. In doing much Dragon Ball at the moment. Like, yeah, we're getting a new set and it's cool, but like Organized Play's got none special happening, so it's kind of whatever. It's the end of a block, so the new block's going to be interesting. So like, it just... Th- there's a lot of factors right now that make it very uninteresting
4: playing Dragon Ball. IMO.
1: Yeah. See, it's kind of... It's definitely weird. I think we're going to ramp up. I think we're going to ramp up soon, but like, I can... I can...
0: Cuz like, I can understand that. And I agree that, right? Like new block movie's going to come out that's obviously going to like revigorate everything and like I like I'm not saying that like Dragon Ball. Like Dragon Ball still the the game that it is and I think mechanically it's one of the best that's ever made and like there's still everything I love about it. But like the the current situation we're in just makes it very not enticing to do anything with. And like obviously like some people claim bias because I have my associations with other games and all that and like that that's not even where I'm coming from like honestly like (laughs) it's just why would i and then you add on top of it players who have their invites like at least there's still the grind for people who don't have their invites to nats but like i guess that's even another thing like i don't even know what we're playing for like one what we are what we know we're playing for prizing wise for organized play has like nothing all that interesting um the event schedule is so kind of like bleh that like going to events is kind of like weird um, and then uh add on top of it that we have no roadmap structure or idea of what we're even leading to in regards to Nats or Worlds or any of that situation at all, and we're halfway through the year, just kind of makes it all very eh.
3: This uh this this
1: like uh, this this competitive season is very what's the word i'm looking for it's like it's it's dark age like we really are just kind of wandering in the dark and i do it's been an up and down year we've had people complaining their asses off we've had people being like you know what thank you for you know doing more for this like we've had we've had a whole bunch of stuff kind of go off but yeah no you're not wrong like Without a roadmap, it's kind of weird. It's like once you, especially once you get your invite, you literally just need to sit back and just wait and see what happens. Because there's almost zero reason to actually get up in there and play pass them. The pricing is not very good right now, but hopefully that'll change. Um, It's, I, I, you put up no points I can argue against. That's just yeah, that.
0: and and it's like I'm not even saying that from like a happy place either, because like I love the game, I love the IP, I I love the community, right? So like it's 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 just, it's a standby for now. Like you know, I I don't like <laughs> it was so hard to get product for Realm of the Gods in general, and then even harder because I'm Canadian. So like I wasn't even able to put together a full like uh, <laughs> Realm of the Gods deck. I upgraded to my current deck with like a couple of staples I was able to get my hands on. So it's just like. You, you add that kind of like stumped up momentum into like ultimate squad, which like is looking like fun, but just, so it's, right now I am very much on a standby, see what happens. Um, you know, ramp back up once Zenkai boost comes out and see where organized play goes for the second half of the year. It's kind of where I'm kind of living at at the moment
1: where you guys, what you guys don't know is that living in Canada means that all of your cars catch that maple tax <laughs> they, they show up like a month and a half late and yeah. they're
0: short. And then itch- and short printed.
1: The maple tax is very strong and it's unfortunate. Like literally this should be a fundraiser podcast. Like, like every, every day hundreds of Canadian TCG players suffer from the maple tax but by del- by donating a simple 599 to my PayPal account. We can make sure we can make sure that sponsored Canadians are able to play and obtain the cards that they need. That's on me. That's a promise.
0: <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um so those are pretty much, you know, everything that's happened in between uh, now and the last time. Uh is there anything that you'd like to put a bow on in terms of either reveals or the ban list before we jump into uh this week's SC mailbag?
1: I think you should definitely put maple tax in the, uh, in the title for this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it definitely deserves its own branding. Mm Uh, speaking of evil branding, now that we're like over an hour into the podcast, I can blatantly say, I am going to try to start the movement of calling the, uh, Piccolo Gohan Secret Rare, uh. PyCon, as in P-I-C-C-H-A-N. Oh,
0: P-S. God, bro. The PyCon, the PyCon S-E-R, just so oh. that in the future,
1: hopefully I can confuse newer players into buying this shitty blood S-E-R. <laughs> 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 this is the PyCon secret rare, right? Oh, oh. oh child.
0: <laughs> Damn, yeah, I don't.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, no, that's the PyCon secret rare. No, no, I was talking about the PyCon secret rare. <laughs>
0: all right so we'll go ahead and jump into the super combo mailbag of course guys if you have any questions that you'd like for chris or myself to answer on air then just tweet at me at TV with the hashtag sc mailbag or jump into the Discord, there's a section there with the SC mailbag. Ask your questions there and we'll answer them on air. First off, Twitter question coming from at stirs What is the best sideboard tech spice y'all have ever seen or used in DBS? Uh, I'm gonna say off the cuff, me it's definitely the three cost um Goku using Goku Forever in our memories or whatever that like turns everything into a vanilla. Bro, I played that shit in Sin. I saw it used once, like, the weekend before, and, like, whoo, bro. Some people just do not know that card exists, and, like, it completely shuts down so many decks. That is easily probably some of my favorite sideboard tech I have ever utilized.
1: All right, so hear me out. Uh, My favorite also comes from a personal story. Um, George, do you remember that Beerus SSB Goku mat? From uh, ARG's
3: little circuit. Yeah. That thing is the hotness.
1: And uh, I have a first place variant of it. And that came after um, I had been playing at my locals. Big fish, small pond kind of deal. I was putting my foot in pretty much every anus that squared up against me. And then R4S, which is an old team that no longer exists, but it had the likes of Amani, jamal if you guys know mali i mean he was on Shenron's layer he's a really good player uh when he was like super active uh they came through and it was like it was an anime moment they showed me how wide the gap truly was and uh we had our championship and i ended up uh playing in soul striker green blue soul striker because it just felt like best deck and format unless you were just really saucing it up with vegeta uh red blue aggro And they weren't there, so I was like, this is my tournament. But my saucy tech was set to 7-drop Super Saiyan 2 Gohan. I think it was like piercing something. Um, But when he was played for the rest of the turn, your opponent could not combo with anything uh, 2-cost or lower. And back then at the game, that that was set to with the EX expansion that first introduced Overrealms. And so back then, your super combos were at a premium, you know? The best Mm. negate in the game was Whis's Coercion, and your super combos and your 5Ks were pretty much essentially what you were uh, comboing with. So the setup was almost always the same. Um, I would either hard cast it, or if you did not remove my Gohan, which, to be fair, he was a 15K crit. He could be blocked, he could be sensued out of. So back then, the Gohan promo, the click and destroy, uh, freaking amazing. Gohan, the first expensive chase card in this game. No, I guess that was Super Saiyan 3 from the first TP pack, but whatever. TP2's first or um, biggest chase card. They normally didn't clear them off the board. So my turns, I faced that day six Soul Striker mirrors, like five in Swiss, and one in top eight or top 16. And what ended up happening was every kill turn pretty much went the same way. I looked at your graveyard. And if I saw more than two Weezus Coercions in that graveyard, I went tap five to evolve onto uh, my four-drop Gohan. Swing with my leader. My leader is up at 20k. Untap two. Combo a little bit. That damage went through. Bet. Remove. mass sand overrealm. Swing with that dude. Combo on him. Cool. Swing with Gohan. 25k double strike. Combo out. And it was just like literally you had to have your other Weeses in hand or you were just dead because it was essentially five damage late game when our hands were simplified and you can't combo with half your hand. <laughs> so, um, oh no, you, you said the barf right then. The funny part is we got to top eight and people were arguing about whether they wanted to play it out or not. Two of the Soul Strikers in top eight I had already beaten in Swiss. That was their only loss dead ass nobody wanted to play the mirror my opponent didn't want to play me and my opponent who had gotten too owed in the swiftness was like yeah i don't know about that so we went from a top eight to splitting except i took the first place mat and the first place pen hey pretty nice and i was like you're damn right <laughs> like, <laughs> like, i felt i felt so strong like the fact that, like, half the top eight was like, nah, I don't really want that mirror smoke. Like, Because it was funny, because at that point, it's not like I was the best player in the room, necessarily. But I definitely had the most uninteractive killstroke of the mirror match. And there was only one non-Soul Striker in that top eight. <laughs> so it was just like, you know what? I don't need to stay here for this. <laughs> like, I don't need to sit around for this.
0: reasonable reasonable
1: yeah so that that was i feel like my spiciest tech
0: very nice very nice um all right moving on to the discord uh majin ping asks you are in the world of mha what is your quirk can't be something that's already in the show I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the show, so I might actually want something in the show. <laughs> but uh, uh, and what are its limitations? So like Todoroki, like it's cold if he uses ice too much or Deku gets recoil damage because his body's ass. I mean, that's that's more of a quirk of his body just not being strong enough yet, more so than the quirk itself. But yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. And then would you be a hero, a villain, a teacher or something like that?
1: I mean, <sighs> OK, yeah, you go take this one.
0: Uh I don't I mean I'm like a big edgelord, right? So for me, like it would either be dragon related, but we already have Dragon Lady. Um I I like being able to control fire, so like, but Endeavor and Todoroki and their entire lineage is already the thing.
1: <laughs> endeavor, endeavor pog.
0: <laughs> so Bobby like Bobby Pog. Yeah, right. So it's like I don't know, man. There's a lot of quirks that already exist in the show. I think but like yeah, I I I think uh in the world of MHA I mean, I guess, I don't know. Does anyone have, like, time control abilities in MHA? I guess that could be interesting. But in general, no. Nah, I, th- I think I would stick to the abilities of, like... I'm I'm a cop out and say that we can use quirks because, like, there's probably a character, if I did say it. Uh, I do like the notion of, like, what Shoto's doing. Um, I, I, I'm a big, like... I, like, I'm greedy. So, like, when I think of, like, elemental powers, I'm like, I could just be the avatar and have them all. So... <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know, some kind of combination of maybe like Dragon Lady with like an elemental power, probably like fire or something like that That would probably be kind of where I lean to um, very close to kind of uh, whenever I imagine uh, original character storylines in my head. That's kind of where I stray to. So I feel like it'd be disingenuous if I strayed anywhere too far away from that.
1: True. Um, for me, we actually had a, a whole drunken night, bro.
3: Um we had a whole drunken
1: night me and some friends where we were like <laughs> uh we were just like basically talking about quirks and stuff like that and we were giving each other quirks and then we were uh we were just kind of expanding on that mythos as we made it and I was on a tear man I was I was drunk as hell and I was bragging on everybody's quirks and giving people quirks that weren't necessarily as uh, favorable as one may think so uh, one of my friends gave me the idea of having of having uh, the quirk called clapback. And originally the quirk was, no matter what somebody says, my brain's neurons fire off to come up with one of the perfect disses to counterattack. Oh my god. <laughs> and then one of my other friends was like, okay, but like, it needs to be like on some like Shinzo type shit. So like his voice through his quirk naturally spawns like anxiety in people. So you say something to me and I instantly diss you back and it tilts you. <laughs> then I completed the like circle by being like when I go to the R&D department I want gloves that amplify vibrations on impact. So clap back the hero can literally slap you in the face and cause like Equilibrium damage to your eardrum, or he can like palm you in the chest and actually like make internal bruising. So, my hero gear would be like literally the clappers.
0: Oh my god! (laughs)
1: So, yeah, (laughs) clap back
0: the roasting hero. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it to you a million times more original than anything I would have thought of.
1: (laughs) I mean, I had help, I had help. All I did was like feed it once it was already there but I was like could you could you like actually imagine like Dobby out here about to maybe kill Shoto or some other like person that he's hating on and I'm just out here just strolling up like dog like somebody forgot to pick you up off the grill like look (laughs) at you like and this dude just you look like you got trapped in a hot topic <laughs> mid mall fire. <laughs> like, just
0: shatters his <laughs> entire being
1: <laughs> twice more. Like once, is and I never want to see your bum ass again. Get the fuck out of here! Like, I just, I just be going off on people. <laughs> be going oh. off. So yeah, that's uh, that's my answer to that.
0: All right uh moving on to push a c cedric get him yes push a c uh man asked too many questions i'm gonna save some for next week (laughs) (laughs) um would you consider making another format of dbs if so would it be draft block format like uw cup events something like that um i think our game would do really well with a new format something that would make it a little bit more streamlined easier to play or make it more board tabletop like so like I don't know what that would look like because our game really doesn't lend itself well at all to multiplayer play. Um, But I think if there was a solution to finding multiplayer play, I think it would lend itself really well to making our game uh, more accessible. So if I had to say something, something commander based. I like the I like the concept of having more formats because like I come from magic, so I'm fine with like modern and legacy and all that. I just don't think UW's it. (laughs) And like, and like if the ban list was also an attempt to kind of make UW a more bearable format, I still don't think it's it. (laughs) Uh, I just, I just don't think a lot of colors were designed with UW being the only thing that exists as it's reality. Like blue is Garbo in UW. UW is basically, I mean, it was red and black, the format, now I'd almost argue it's like red and yellow, the format with like the banlist in, tow- in tow. So like, I do think alternative formats are important. I don't think UW is it, but I do think there's somewhere there on the more casual level to bring in new players. I think something multiplayer or more streamlined, like a blitz style format an awakened style format, whatever that kind of accelerates the gameplay would be something that would be appealing there. And at least on the competitive side, looking into formats outside of, you know, UW specific block would be interesting in terms of being able to experiment with how we play competitively.
3: Fair I, enough.
0: I know I encapsulated pretty much a lot of possible answers, but I, I don't know. <laughs> if there, I, mean, I don't know if there was anything else that you want to add to that.
1: <laughs> uh, well, back to back to my previous point on deck building. Um,
3: you only want to be redundant when it when it
1: borderlines on ignorance, and uh, they they it just. It just i can't add on anything like you encompassed a lot
0: <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately i, I do it's that. all
1: good sometimes it, sometimes it gets served up like that we can't hate on that um
0: on that. and then i'll take another of cedric's and then move on to other questions uh or uh what race would you be in the dragon ball universe Saiyan, namekian frieza etc uh see like don't get me wrong i want to say Saiyan. But the reality is that 99.9% of Saiyans got blown up when Frieza got ticked off one day. (laughs) So, like, if there's the guarantee I make it off of that planet alive when he decides to blow it up, then, like, I'd probably say Saiyan. Um, Just because there's such a hard cap on how strong all the other races have gotten. I mean, like, yeah, I would just go Saiyan. Because, like, you have the benefits of, like, being human-like enough. I mean, and you can still breed with humans, which, like, cool um without like straying too far away from it and then having like a high enough ceiling on your ability power that it's like pretty nice so i'd probably stick to saying i don't i wouldn't want to be a namekian i don't think so i definitely don't want to be any of the like the villain races i think
1: freezer race Freeza yeah like
0: pretty long. yeah i don't know i don't know if i want to be the freezer race i don't know i'm just eh <laughs> so I, I think I, I will say, though, having the ability to train for like four months and be on God key levels kind of pog. I'm not going to lie, but they like, really they really <laughs> said, like, Frieza, Frieza, they really just like, wait,
1: Frieza's never worked a day in his life. And Frieza's like, you know what, though? I haven't like,
0: <laughs> you know, when you say it like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I'd probably say saying. I know. I know it's the vanilla white boy answer, but like, yeah, I'd probably go with saying. Hey, I dig it. So like well, you're good on that. So like you want you want to be like a halfling just so it brings you closer to Gohan or?
1: I mean, knocking gonna front. Being a half sand would be pretty tight because if I'm a half sand, that means or if I'm like a hybrid sand, that likely means I'm not dead because it's really just only like the full breeds that got blown the hell up. True. So uh, we take those. <laughs> like we, we definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. take those.
3: Um, ah, you know. That's
2: kinda of rough.
1: I think we're good. I literally think we're good. Yeah. Uh hybrid sand is probably it. I don't want to be a because Namekian Namekians ain't got no dicks, so they ain't fucking that sucks. Damn. Um Frieza also dickless. Considerably naked with tail short as hell. Except King Cold. King Cold is just huge King, for no reason. King,
0: yeah, King Cold's massive bro. Um
1: so is a. so is a. so is a cooler in his fifth form, I guess. So that's tight. Um, none of these, none of these furry people. Dragon Ball got a lot of furries. I'm not about <laughs> it,
0: so Yeah, you um, don't you don't want to be the next monster carrot. Yeah, no, no dog man, no monster <laughs> carrot. Dog
1: mare, my bad. There's just a lot of stuff I wouldn't want to be. Um Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I, I do That's like not hy- it. I mean hybrids also got the whole like, hey, you have more potential than any other being on this earth type of situation. So I guess I would be pretty pog. In its own right
1: yeah and can you imagine like like gohan i'm not gonna say gohan fumbled the bag because really that's what happens when you are just like raised super
3: sheltered um
1: like yeah that's just yeah. what happens like <laughs> it is like like I, like when you're super sheltered you have no reason to like want certain things or like see certain things some way but like Come on, man! Gohan went to high school with pectorals popping out of his motherfucking V-neck. Like, do you understand how much play <laughs> the average human could have got? Dog, it's over. You all year round varsity, bro. Like you're you're the school star. Like you're you're headline famous. Like you're sitting here having people trip over you. Like you walk into the room and you hear eighteen collective sighs. There are only fourteen girls in class. Four dudes also <laughs> side. It's over. Like it's True. over. Yeah, that hybrid life.
0: OP. <laughs> Perks. All right, and then wrapping up for Pusha C is also a spear with the spicy bars. So sick with his flow, looking like he got SARS. Uh, what? It, wow. That's, <laughs> damn. All right, Cedric. Uh, for those guys don't that know, that's probably in response to my fight night. uh my Push my, my, my my contribution to the fight night promo video where. Uh, I played Joku. By now, uh, the results are Joku uh, took it down 2-1. So congratulations to him. But uh, I did throw a lot of shade (laughs) in that video. That (laughs) was funny. So if you guys want to see someone who isn't a rapper, uh, rhyme a couple of words together. (laughs) You guys can go check out Keoken Card's promo video for Fight Night. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Tor asks, asks, who's your favorite extended universe character? Basically, heroes or movie characters. So non-main timeline characters.
1: Who are our favorite non-main timeline? Yeah. Characters?
0: So heroes or movies.
1: You want me to give you a, a hard Dragon Ball take? You go for it. It's still Ultimate Gohan. All oh right. You want to know why, God, bro? You want nah, to? Nah. You want to know? You want to know why? Because a uh, I'm not gonna say a true fan. I hate when people say true fans this, true fans that. But uh, if you really want to get technical, the main timeline for Dragon Ball is the timeline where everybody got waxed, Goku died of a heart attack, and Trunks got his master killed and then proceeded to do whatever. So you're saying... Technically...
0: You're saying Trunks traveling in time created that alternate universe and created a bead? Yep. I guess that's true. I mean,
1: 100%. Like, the the timeline that had the Cell Saga... Yeah, the timeline that had the Cell Saga and the Android Saga, those are branch timelines okay like,
0: my, so how about you not be like well actually and understand that people were talking about the z fighters
1: <laughs> hey hey look my 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 that was valid all right that was valid. <laughs> and uh i have i have a little side little little tangent after this one to let you guys know about but um just remind me after we're done with the mailbag because i think it's pretty funny all right. um but but my favorite. Gosh, that's so hard. Turless is trash. Like Turles literally was smoking everybody's ass and then just got destroyed, which is how most of these movies go. Cooler blue, was blue. smoking everybody's ass, and then randomly Goku was just like, wait, forgot I could go super sin and just blew Cooler out of the water. <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> like, um, Android 13 was punching motherfuckers in the balls and Just like destroying people, and Goku absorbed a spirit bomb and just like punched him in the stomach for game. Uh, Goku absorbed half dead energy from five or from four dudes that were getting clapped by Broly and somehow was strong enough to punch a hole in Broly. Yeah, Uh, I I don't know, man. Um, in terms of ult timeline, it's certainly not tapion, that dude sucks. Not to mention, they made, they made more plot holes with him giving that sword to Trunks of a different timeline than they solved. So um, that was stupid. They were like, this is how Trunks got his sword. I was like, how? <laughs> 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 um, but we're going to get on that point. Herodogarn had so many plot holes. I mean, between Trunks getting a sword, but not being in the timeline where he would grow up to be the sword-building Trunks... Between Hirutugan two-shotting Ultimate Gohan, but getting laid out by Super Saiyan 3 Goku, <laughs> there was absolutely no reason with that movie. It was just like, here's a giant cockroach, and it's going to wreak havoc on all of, like, Satan City. So, um, damn. To answer your question... I hate just about every person that's <laughs> not canon because none of them got stories even, that actually made sense.
0: Even Heroes? Like, I guess you could go SS4 Gohan if that, like... I think like, Heroes if, is... If that diddles you a little.
1: Heroes is, like, almost worse, bro. They'd be bringing back Turles, but with long hair. Bojack, but with long hair. Rose, know. but with long Super Saiyan <laughs> 3 hair. Bro, like, sometimes, like, it, it's like Jurassic Park. I think you were so focused on whether you could... You didn't think about whether or not you should. And that's mm. the basis of Dragon Ball Heroes. They're just like, all right, what if we brought Goku Black back? That sounds pretty cool. Bet. And we gave him Super Saiyan 3. Well, why would you do that? That, that form has been proven to be inefficient and <laughs> never usable. Yeah, we're going to do it anyway. All right, cool, <laughs> I guess. Let's, let's bring back Turles, all right? But let's make it really confusing and give him a long Super Saiyan 3 man of hair. Yeah, that is kind of confusing, actually. I really thought that man was uh, Raditz. No, it's Turlus, But it does look like Raditz, don't it? Yeah, it do. Yep. That's what we're keeping. I'm like, but why? Like, what if Goku fused with Goku? I was like, stop! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, actually, stop! Uh... I saw Limit Breaker, Limit Breaker Super Saiyan 4. I was like, that's hot! I wonder how this happens. And these motherfuckers literally hit the discount god ritual on a Super Saiyan 4. It was literally three Sans instead of five or something, and they just all crowded around Goku and Vegeta and gave them the Super Saiyan God ritual while they were Super Saiyan 4s, and I was like, y'all could have really had something with this. Like, y'all could have gone literally anywhere with this but where you went. (laughs) And it would have been better. So, yeah, nah, not even heroes, man.
0: Yeah, I... uh, I'll go with Bardock. I just like Bardock. I like the... I, I feel like... I mean, of course, like, Dragon Ball ain't the show you're gonna watch to get character development and like see like throughput storylines. Like the fact that Raditz is as underexplored as he is is an absolute crime. Um, Dude so to that end, like he had
1: more potential than Goku. Like, fuck.
0: So to that end, I think I like Bardock. You know, uh, there's some timelines he goes into the past and he's the original Super Saiyan. Um. He's a kind Saiyan who you know fought against a stroke and like like got on with what Frieza was going on. I just I just like everything about Bardock. Um... (laughs) Bardock's like the Joker. Like
1: if if I have a backstory, (laughs) I'd like it to be multiple choice. Like uh, sometimes Bardock is a murderous Saiyan who somehow got a taste of karma and empathy and saw the future and the future wasn't him putting more feet in people's asses, it was his planet getting blown the fuck up. So he had to take action. Uh, Sometimes Bardock is a nice soul that is still arguably doing hood rat sand shit, but is a decent father. And I I guess that works. Or sometimes Bardock is a loving father, actually, as the new manga would suggest, who endearingly wishes with the Dragon Balls to hopefully have his sons grow up well. And probably was cursing his ass off in hell when he saw them both kill each other. (laughs) Obviously. What a what a circle of life. Like, make a wish on the dragon. I don't really know. You know what? Fuck it. Let me just hope my sons grow up well. Sons hit adulthood. Another Namekian kills them. Like, dog, Namekian <laughs> god in the background was like, the dragon balls giveth, the dragon balls taketh <laughs> away. Like, a Namekian gave your children this safety blanket, and now a Namekian will kill them all with the same... I was like, bro, like, like can you imagine that shit? We're <laughs> like, not just sitting in hell, just like, I cannot fucking believe it. what what a day
0: <laughs> lord all right so so that's where we'll leave it for the questions for today so i mean you did say you know you had you wanted us to come back to that as we were closing the email bag in terms of the extended universe so did you want to give your little gohan spiel
1: no <laughs> oh, it has nothing to do with Gohan. actually I mean, uh, okay. he's like he's like a tangential character but like all right hear me out man like all right trunks was amazing when he first came into the saga he was cool he was that dude But I have a hot take that the history of Chunks actually made him like a worse character. Like, sure, he kind of became like super memeable when he became father.exe in all of the Android and Cell saga. But you go back in time, man, or you go into the future, and this man is sitting here, right? And he's, he's a kid, he can't go Super Saiyan. He begs his master to take him on a excursion against the androids. The one time his master folds, the one time Gohan's like, you know what, what's the worst that can happen? Bam! This man has to choose between his good arm (laughs) and this kid dying. And what does he do? He chooses Trunks living because Gohan is a softy. Now, we move forward. And uh, what happened, right? What happens? We got... (laughs) We have Trunks still trying to be on that bullshit. You know, I I know shit went sideways, but you know, Gohan, I think things could be different this time. What happens? Immediate clappage. Like, Gohan's like, I'm not even trying to get out of this. Like, I'm not even trying to take you with me. I don't want to lose my other fucking arm. God forbid a leg. So he knocks his dude out, goes out, gets completely shreked. It's over. He's done. Okay? Gohan... Dead in the rain, Trunks goes over, Hulk's out in the Super Saiyan, and then we get what? Maybe a two-year at max gap between him going Super Saiyan out of rage and him getting on that damn time machine. Now, we have to kind of acknowledge the fact that Gohan was nine-ish when Goku caught that heart virus and everybody started getting waxed. And nine-year-old Gohan was like barely after Frieza Saga Gohan. He wasn't beating any androids to death. He wasn't doing any of this gang shit. He was just nine-year-old Gohan. So this Gohan has to self-train himself for about a decade, literally barely surviving, to then train a Trunks. What I'm trying to say here is Trunks was not a master of any martial arts. Trunks was probably not even that great a fighter. And the last words he his mom told him before he got on the time machine was, don't do anything reckless. And he goes, I won't, mom. Dude gets out of the time machine and immediately steps to Frieza. There was no guarantee. <laughs> there was zero guarantee. This man was walking away with his life. Like, like Goku has been training with martial arts masters since the age of four. Just because they both get his super Saiyan gave zero guarantee. And actually, that's something that I want to point out here. Goku has been training since he was four years old with martial arts masters, gods, the likes. Frieza was keeping up, if not outpacing him at times. So Frieza is on a god-tier level of fighting, too. I think if Frieza wasn't so shooketh from the fact that Goku literally turned his anus inside out on planet Namek, he would have bodied Trunks. Like, that moment where Trunks came up with a sword and started screaming, and Frieza dead-ass froze up, shat himself for a full 20 seconds, and then got turned into cat food and incinerated? He could have got the fuck out of the way. Like, like he was actually PTSD struck. And I just like, after watching the history of Trunks, I was just like, Trunks had no business doing anything he did during those five episodes where we thought he was the coolest motherfucker this series had ever spawned. Just no business.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True. True.
1: (laughs) Frieza is going to go, oh, hell no, I will not be disrespected by anybody Exclu- like you just kind of just annihilated that man. He talked the most shit too. You you're about to see what it's like to face a real Super Saiyan. And I'm not talking about Goku. I was like, hey yo! But then you see Goku <laughs> show up, and this man's got a sword, and Goku's got an index finger. I was like, the gap was heavy. Like, <laughs> trunks was talking out of his ass. I mean, he get that from his dad, I guess. But like, man, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's crazy. Uh, the more you know, guys. The more you know. Hey, Amen. The lore thickens. <laughs> All right. And if you guys want us to answer your questions on air, I know there's a couple we left out. We'll make sure to get to them in next week's episode. Then just once again, tweet at me at TV with the hashtag SC Mailbag with your question, or jump onto the Discord in the SC Mailbag section and ask on there, and we will get to your question live on air. With that said. We are going to wrap up this week's podcast. Chris, you got anything for the people? Anything you want to let them know that you got coming down the pipeline this week? I mean, this will come out on a Friday, so weekend, I guess. (laughs) Super,
1: super thick. Um, I got a whole lot of shit planned. Uh, Tomorrow, I know this isn't Dragon Ball, but tomorrow I will be opening up, uh, doing a box opening of the two newest starter decks. To uh, grace the Digimon scene, they are both actually meta-warping, and by meta-warping, I mean they're meta-impacting, not really warping, but they actually do slot right into the top tier for the game. So if you like Digimon or you just kind of want to see some of that stuff on my channel, you can go over there and check that out saturday i will be releasing the next uh the next thing next series part of the series for uh, shifts in power and we'll be focusing on blue so if you want to see exactly how blue was changed by this ban list as well as the inclusion of uh, ultimate squad that'll be an in-depth video coming up on saturday um then we are headed into we are headed into um wow sorry for the for the complete little gap in brain thought Um, We're going to have a fight night up next week for Dragon Ball Super. Uh, It'll be a pretty spicy matchup. That may even be more relevant now that the ban list has passed because it was made before the ban list happened. Uh, Outside of that, we're also going to have Digimon Locals. I'm going to see if I can record a game or two on Tuesday, have that up maybe Wednesday, Thursday. At some point, we'll weave in the next step in Shifts of Power, which is going to focus on green. So we have a chock-full week. Coming up on UniX DBS, and that's just UniX DBS. Uh, we have uh, Dragon Ball Legends having their anniversary this weekend, so I'll be up on that on UnixDB. DB. Um, I've got so much stuff going on that I don't think I'm going to be able to do a One Piece chapter review on UniX Mag, but there's a lot of stuff in Universe X. Just just subscribe to all my channels and proceed to just imbibe content.
0: <laughs> all right, there you go, busy busy man. Um, on my end, uh, no surprise, y'all, been kind of a, a bit of a slowdown, like we had said previously, in terms of the Dragon Ball World, it's just been uh, kind of slow in terms of, you know, involving myself with the game, so kind of taking a little bit of a break on that front. Um, I do have a MHA box opening that I've just been kind of, like, lazy about editing, so that'll be going up probably uh, sometime this weekend on the channel. Uh, otherwise just keep your eyes out if you guys are on the discord server you guys should be able to get notifications odds are you know i may end up going live or posting up a video sometime but uh, for the most part just vibe enjoy what uh ultimate squad has to offer i hope you guys all enjoy your pre-releases um and everything to come with that and uh with that said uh, we should be getting back into our regular schedule in regards to uh the super combo podcast so with that said guys thank you guys very much for stopping by on this uh, episode we'll try to push out the episodes a little bit more consistently once again we know that you guys uh do so with that said thank you guys so much for listening and until the next episode best of luck guys with your top deck see ya